Orlando's All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Hour two of the Players Club. It's Joshy Boy versus Sean Payton on Sunday. Who's got the advantage? Maybe surprised. Uh, real quick though, before I, before we get into this, so if there's any like lawn doctors out there, people who are smart about their lawns, um, you know, Mark Schlereth, of course, but anyone else. So so I got a little bit of um, sod put on. Like in, I uh, got some lands- landscaping done. They put a little bit of sod in. Yeah, and you know you got to water it for three weeks, yeah, like, yeah. three times a day. Different. Yeah, just out there. Yeah. Okay, so I did that, and when I finally cut it, like half of it was dead underneath. Ooh. I wasn't apparently watering it enough, or it was so dry, or whatever it was, or I waited too long to cut it. But like half of it, I'm now I'm watering it all the time, trying to bring it back. Like half of it's okay, but there's like these streaks that are like n- not coming back, and I'm mm. wondering what I do. Like, is there something to sprinkle on that thing, or should, do I have to start over with it? Do I have to like? This is above my pay grade, Nate. That's what uh, I'm saying. So I'm, normally I just overwater that thing, and that's what it I've usually been doing. comes back. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so twice a day I'm out there watering it, and it's not. There's parts that are not coming back. I'm trying to figure out what to do. Am I overwatering it? Do I let it go and then like patch? You know, put seed on certain areas, or do I have to redo the whole thing? What's the sunlight situation? It gets a lot of sun. Oh, man. It gets a good amount of sun. I mean, it's checking all the boxes for me. I so know, and the grass and the part of it that's still alive looks great. Yeah, hopefully somebody texts in a solution. I feel bad for you, dog. Thank you, man. It's, it sucks. It's like, oh, we got all this stuff done, and it looks so great. And then I like mowed it, and it's like, ooh. <laughs> and I'm out there every day trying to bring it back. Yeah. And my wife's like, what's I going on? I wonder if with you have to like rip up the, the dead part and lay some new like sod down. Yeah. Uh, and someone's saying, did you cut it too low? Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. How, what's too low? What's too low? Um, somebody else is a gas or oil leak. Do you have a gas or oil leak in that somewhere around the house? No, no. Part of the grass is fine. Okay. Looks great. Um, 303-713-1043 three three one zero four three and text line. Help me out, guys. Help me out. All right. So Sean Payton um, had a press conference yesterday. He was asked a variety of questions, and one of them was about. What, what's the unique challenge of preparing for a team in the first week of the season? Um, and um, we don't have that sound, and so I am going to have to subject you to my Sean Payton impersonation. Let's hear it. L- listen, there, there hasn't been a lot of staff turnover in Las Vegas. I think it becomes more complex with a new staff or new coordinator. Certainly, look, there will be wrinkles and twists relative to they haven't shown that yet. On the other side of it, they're looking at a new staff, maybe – there will be some similarities in the defensive scheme. Look, you spent a lot of time on cut-ups from the year prior and some of the preseason tape, and you factor in all of that relative to the game plan. As the season unfolds, you get a little bit more DNA on the opponent. Considering that, Orlando, do the Broncos have the advantage here as far as the game planning goes? Mm. I think you have the advantage offensively because you're just going to do what you do and find 98, 98, right? When you break the huddle, where the heck is 98? You got to know where he's at at all time, right? Max Crosby. So offensively, I think there is definitely an advantage there because they have to adapt and adjust to what you're doing. Um, def- 
defensively, Broncos going against the Raiders. Yeah, they got Jimmy G, but Josh Boy's been calling the plays. So even though Jimmy G is now wearing a Raiders jersey, you go back and look at what Josh did last year with Derek Carr and uh, uh, Jared Stedham. Uh, hey, Stead, Stead Dog, where's your playbook? We, we need that whole little playbook and all the installs that you were doing at the end of the season with Josh Boy. We need all the, the communication and the hand signals, right? We need that little cheat sheet if you're um, Vance Joseph. But from a player standpoint, when we were in the NFL, Nate, you know what they did. Okay, you're getting ready to play against the Raiders. It's the first week of the season. We go back and watch, like, if they have a new D.C., we're going to watch that D.C. or where he was at the year before, right? And you're going to push that. If he's ever had a D.C. job, you're going to get some of those plays pushed to the iPad. So there are multiple different ways in box. Steve Boxer. You know, the video guy out there with uh, the Broncos, it does a heck of a job with getting you the information that you need or the information that you're requesting. And they could do deep dives. Like, you want them to go back five, ten years on a play caller to, to get some of that film on your iPad, you could get that. So you definitely have to over-prepare for the first one. Do you think they're watching New Orleans Saints cut-ups and tape on what Sean Payton used to do in New Orleans is going to prepare you for what he's going to do here with the Broncos offense. I think that there's a combination of it. I, I definitely believe that that coaching staff, that D.C. has went back and, okay, what has he done with Drew Brees? How has he moved the pocket with Drew Brees? So you understand Russell Wilson and some of the the you know the highlights, right, and the must-haves, move the pocket, and the, how does Drew Brees get to the deep ball, right? So you're going to just automatically think that these things are in the playbook or will show themselves at some time. But, yeah, now how much that D.C. forces the defense to watch, I don't know, maybe 20%, maybe 50%, right? But I definitely believe that they are looking at some of Sean Payton's film and what he did with Drew Brees, absolutely. The Raiders' defense was bad last year. There's only one way to put it. They were bad. You look at their defensive statistics they were near the very bottom of the league in quite almost every defensive statistic man, 20, really yes balled against the Broncos. i know man <laughs> i know which made us know that from the two games so much more frustrating well they only won six games two of them were against the broncos one of them was against the patriots on that last second you know like weird pass by was that jacoby myers who threw that I don't remember. By the way, he's now on the Raiders. He's the Raiders' uh, third receiver. Mm. Um, and so Josh was like, I want that guy. What a yes. smart football player. Um, but no, the Raiders were 28th defensively in net yards per game, 27th in yards per play, 26th in points per game, 29th in net passing yards, tied for 31st in interceptions. They only had six picks all season. Uh, tied for 23rd in fumble recoveries with seven. Last in the league in takeaways with 13. Wow. 30th in the league in sacks with 27. Mad Max gets after the quarterback. Nobody else does. Mm-hmm. Uh, 26th in the league in third down percentage. And 30th in the league in red, red zone percentage. Wow. Defensively. And to my knowledge, they haven't got a whole lot better. Yeah. The Broncos' defense is pretty darn good. Now you look at them. 7th in the league last year in yards per game allowed. 6th in yards per play 10th in net yards rushing, 12th in net yards passing, 10th in interceptions, 2nd in 3rd down percentage, 7th in red zone percentage. The Broncos' defense has the advantage here, and to me the offenses are a wash. The Broncos are going to roll. Mm, I like it, making predictions early in the show. Um, I, 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 Looking at the matchups, looking at everything on paper, I do believe that the Broncos have a little bit more of a, a upper hand than the Raiders do. Absolutely. Everything's new. 
And, and you know how Milli Vanilli this thing go, gets when you play preseason games. You're Blame try- it on the rain. <laughs> You're trying not to um, tip your hand at all, right? So I do believe that when you look at the Broncos, three phases, that all three phases are primed to, to really shock the Las Vegas Raiders. Where when you look at the Raiders, if I'm the Broncos defense, I'm like, no Darren Waller? Man, no, no Hollins? He came out of nowhere last year and was yeah. balling. Yeah. Right? Hollis so, was balling. Yeah. So, like, I'm looking at these things and I'm like, okay. Uh, Josh Jacobs, no OTAs, Nothing. no training camp. Nothing. Man, yeah. He, he he might go out there. He might be playing good. But at the same time, like, how, how well is his body going to hold up? Can he afford 25 carries week one? Right? So, I, I'm definitely thinking, feeling pretty good about my team and, Feeling pretty good about the game plan that we're trying to put in right now and getting ready for the Raiders this week if I'm a part of that Broncos organization. I'm feeling good about it, too. Um, you know, they might, Sean Payton might not be saying it's a rivalry. The Broncos players know what the score is. The Broncos players know who's coming to town, um, and they'll be ready for him. You said the Broncos are going to roll, though, huh? I do believe it. What does that look like? Two like touchdowns. Two, two touchdowns. Okay. Yeah. Can't wait to hear you. I don't want to give my prediction yet. Yeah, it's only Great Thursday. Cash, homie. It's only Thursday, dog. We exactly. got some time. Exactly. We got to refine that thing. We got to well, figure you, out how you're going to get there. You're not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah, I'm gone tomorrow. So you um, might have to give your prediction I'm, at the end of the show? Yeah, I'm on the call. Uh, I got FSU, number four team in the country. Wow. Versus uh, Southern Miss. Frank Gore Jr. Wow. Um, yeah, so super excited about that. Some Bronco ties, too. Chris Clark played with here with the Broncos. He went to Southern Miss back in the day. But uh, excited about that call and you, nervous as uh, ever as well. Look at you, man. You're going to crush it. You're going to crush it. It'll be fun, for sure. I want to thank everyone on the Ramoslot.com text line and reaching out about my lawn here. A lot of good advice. Um, some of it contradicts the one before it. I'm going to have to sift through this and figure out what is the right approach to bringing back my lawn. I really appreciate you guys. All right, so, um, hey, does a coach need to be a jerk is there such thing as somebody who's too mean? And is Sean Payton fitting that bill? We're going to get into that next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Van presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. right. Last time the Broncos and the Raiders faced off November 20th of last year. 3-7 and seven Raiders versus the 3-7 and seven Broncos. And the Raiders beat them 22-16. to 16. And uh, Derek Carr there threw for 300 yards and two touchdowns. Russell had 247 yards. Zero touchdowns. Josh Jacobs had over 100 yards on the ground. Latavius Murray was the lead back for the Broncos, 17 carries, 49 yards. Uh, Devontae Adams had a good game. Seven catches, 141 yards, two touchdowns. And you got to assume that um, that's a matchup that's going to be intriguing to watch there. Devontae Adams versus Pastor Tan. If you're developing that game plan, if you're VJ, are you having Pastor Tan follow him everywhere he goes? No. You're going to have to stay put. Absolutely not. Week one, Damari uh, Mathis and company. All these different guys, right? Uh, he's saying Bassey. You, you guys got to hold up, right? I mean, you guys are going to get a lot of smoke this year. Now, I'm not going to be naive and try to, you know, solo out Damari Mathis against Devontae Adams. Like, I will try to have safety over the top help. 
and that's the you know added confidence that you have now with having two safeties that have played a lot of football in this league and Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson. But no, I'm not on PS2. You're not traveling. We're, we're just not doing that. Not right now. Now, if it gets out of hand and say Devontae Adams has uh, you know two touchdowns, 140 yards, and we're like halfway through the third. Yeah, we got to make some adjustments at that point, but not going into the game. What about you? You you would travel them? No, I don't. I don't really love that. I, I think that's you know put, puts a corner back in an uncomfortable position a lot of times, and it does. It probably changes the way you got to call the game. It makes it a little more compli- complicated to call it, right? It's just a little more, a little more for everyone to memorize. A little, a little bit more on their plate mentally, and it's. I think it's better when these guys can just stay where they're comfortable on the side where they like to play. You know, facing the area they like to play with the backpedaling looking the same, and their eyes. You know, the kind of the eye patterns looking the same way. Um, now, I've never played corner, so I don't really know, but I imagine it's just more comfortable for a guy to stay put. Yeah, um, and at the end of the day. You start giving too much of a tell if you do that. Oh, we uh, we break the huddle. Jimmy Man. Garoppolo and yeah, you know, uh, Devontae's to the right. And we bring him in motion. Oh, PS2's following them. Oh, it's man. Yeah, we bring him in cross motion all across the formation. Oh, PS2 just followed them and the corners are switched. Oh, it's man. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it, 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 then you start living in a world where it's just man beaters. It gives the quarterback. Uh, a lot of time he has already identified what the defense is and now Josh and Boy is able to talk to Jimmy G up until 15 seconds left on the play clock like you could get a lot out in that time if you get the, if you get up to the line of scrimmage fast enough so yeah I'm not really a fan of that plus I want these young guys to develop Nate like we gotta have these young guys develop with uh, and understand. Do we have to move on from guys? Are we keeping guys long term? You talking about corners? You're talking about Demari Matthews? Yeah, corners. Can we trade a guy next year yep. and get a quality player in another position because that guy showed enough on tape to the other thirty-one teams and balled out and had some snaps against Devontae Adams? So yeah, just. Everything screams no to me right now as far as just traveling PS2. Yeah, I think it's going to be really an interesting side matchup, you know, VJ versus Josh. Josh is essentially the offensive coordinator there, and Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator here. What's he? What does he have up his sleeve? What's he going to do on Sunday against this Raiders offense who uh, stuck it to the Broncos last year twice and really six straight times? So, um, all right, so this article, this ESPN Seth Wickersham article, pretty interesting read. Very long, very detailed about uh, our head coach, Sean Payton, his personality, his the existential crisis that he's been going through over the last couple of years, the fallout in New Orleans, and essentially his attempt to redeem himself here um, with the Denver Broncos. But clearly throughout the thread of this article, there's this admission, not just by the people who are interviewed, but by Sean Payton himself, that he can be a little bit of an a-hole. And, you know, even his best buddy, Mickey Loomis, the GM in New Orleans Saints for the Saints, says Sean Payton can be difficult, but he's always two to three steps ahead of everyone. So we accept it. Um, famously, you know, he, he yelled at some staffer in New Orleans because the Christmas tree at Christmas was too small. Mm. He's very particular about the things he wants and the way he wants things done. How do you feel about a, a guy like that running the team? If that's who you are, that's who you are. You know, I, I always tell people, John Fox was a player's coach. Not because he took it light on us, because I don't believe that John Fox ever took it light on us. We showed up to training camp. We knew that one day, one period each day was going to be full speed live tackled into the ground. 
We knew that every opportunity that we had during the season to go in full pads, we were going to use it. And that was it. So he became a player's coach because we understood who he was, his process, and how he viewed the game of football. He didn't waver from his beliefs. He wasn't up and down, one way this week, the opposite way the next week. Uh, This is who Sean Payton is. I think this goes over very well in the locker room because you understand that that's who head ball coach is. Was was he... Was he mean, John Fox? No, not mean at all. I don't think John Payton's mean. I I think that everything is with context, right? So do I believe that you should be yelling at somebody because a Christmas tree is too small? Probably not. But did you tell the person that, hey, make sure we have a big Christmas tree? (laughs) Did you have conversations with them in the past about the years before? Like, yeah, this is what we're looking for. It needs to be massive. Like, what, what, if you've told somebody something, you expect that person now to do their job. And if you don't do your job, you're failing at it, and you should be reprimanded for it. Now, there's a, a right way and wrong way to do things. And I think that's the hardest job a head coach has when it comes to football, is understanding each and every individual that's on that football field, but also each and every individual that's in your organization and how to talk to that person. So if you get after somebody, can they handle it? Right, we all remember Nick Saban when he was with the Dolphins. He yelled at that D lineman and he started crying. That D lineman couldn't handle it. I mm. thought Nick was like, "Dang, that that's messed up." That's the hard part about being head honcho is understanding how to get the best out of every individual that surrounds you. Don't you think? Like, absolutely. Do you think that he's mean? No, 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 no. I don't think he's mean at all. I think he comes from, you know, the P- Bill Parcells tree where you are hard on your players, you are demanding, you want to put them through some sort of hell to find out what they're about. Practices are hard, they're long, they're physical, full pads as much as you possibly can. Kick the crap out of each other, harden each other, learn about what you're capable of, and then go out on the field and the game is easy because of what I put you through during this week in the preparation. The game is going to be fun, the game's going to be easy, you're going to be thanking me afterwards because you're going to be prepared for it, more well prepared than the other team. My my thought process, though, is that it's a different world now. And it, the rules are different for the way that you can treat your team, the padded practices you can have, the amount of hours they stay at the facility. And I'm wondering how long it will take him to turn this program around, understanding the limitations put on him by this new world in the CBA and the players with different mentalities. Like, do the players respond to that sort of approach anymore? Mm -hmm. I know I would, but I'm 44 years old. You know, would a 22-year-old respond to it i think we're we're fixing to find out they've transferred three times in college because oh i'm not playing oh i could get more money over here right we live in a world that's so different you don't like it you just well i'm out right back when you were in college what you transfer and you got to sit out a year and then you got to play the following year so you didn't see a lot of moving parts i think when you look at any organization name three years three opportunities at the draft Three opportunities to bring in free agents after the draft. Three opportunities of attacking free agency and spending money on big money guys. And then what happens? Now, the problem is with some of these Bronco coaches, it's been so bad that they never have got to that after that third year. Right? So after three years, where are you at? Now, I think with Sean Payton, the guy that's done it before, that kind of understands his vision, understands his process, I think we'll start reaping the benefits in year two. It'll, it'll be a little bit sooner. But I think in today's world and how the NFL is constructed, three years is fair. Three three draft cycles, three three of everything. So you're not expecting a we coming moment like the Buffs just had in, in Texas? I'm expecting the Broncos to be competitive. I'm expecting the Broncos to win the games that they should win. 
But they will drop a game where it's like, oh, man, we should have won that game. And I, I'm talking about three years until, like, you're competing in, like, the expectations is AFC West Championship or Super Bowl, like, the, or bus. Like, that, that's where I think we're headed now with having an adult in the room like Sean Payton. Well, from this article, Seth Wickersham had access to Sean Payton during training camp. Just a couple of weeks ago, this article was finished up in the last, basically, week and he was up there in the film room with Sean Payton watching film of Rams practice. And you're going to want to hear what Sean Payton thought about that practice. It was a lot, well, it was a lot like what we thought. But um, hearing it from the coach and what he has to accomplish with this group, very, very interesting. Before we get to that, guys, it's King Super's fan pick, pick em time, football pick em time. Can you beat the fan hosts? Can you beat Zach? Can you beat Stokely? Can you beat Mike Evans? Can you beat Stink? Can you beat Matt Smith? Can you beat Orlando? Can you beat me? Can you beat any of us? I don't think so, but you could try. The weekly winner will get $250 to King Supers, and the grand prize winner receives groceries for a year. Register now at denversports.com slash picks. All right, when we get back, we're going to dive into what troubles Sean Payton the most about this roster so far. That's next. You've been admitted VIP entry into the Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. I'm a player, and I'm just to play. Want to thank all the texters for giving me your thoughts on my lawn, which has died. Uh, right after we got it sodded. Hey, don't water, don't cut it for three weeks. Just water it three times a day, which I did. Maybe I waited three and a half to cut it, and maybe I cut it too short. But half of it is dead. So, we're well, not dead, but hurting. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. And you guys are helping me out, so I appreciate it. Um, and I'll let you know how it goes. I'll let you know how it goes. How's it going to go on Sunday with the Broncos and the Raiders? Well, that depends on whether or not Sean Payton can change the mindset of these players and the way they react to play in, play out, uh, adversity, success, failure. This ESPN article with Seth Wickersham was pretty revealing in a lot of ways. Um, One of them, Seth was sitting with Sean as he watched film of the first joint practice with the Rams. Okay, we We were there. We saw what we saw. We saw the Rams seem more energetic. We saw the Rams look like they were in better condition. We saw the Rams kind of taking it to the Broncos in that first practice. And Sean Payton thought the same thing. Um, I'm going to read from this article. All right, Sean Payton says, I'm going to be pissed off watching this. Two hours pass in which he utters only disparate thoughts, 10, 20 minutes apart. Hell of a throw by Russ. Horrible route. What are we doing? I hate this. Clicking through plays, rewinding over and over. The Rams seemed more invested than the Broncos in the outcome and in one another. They jump and yell after a big play. The Broncos are flat. He's frustrated about pre-snap penalties and that the receivers aren't blocking downfield on screen passes, killing any chance of a big gain. What troubles him more is something he sees on film but isn't sure how to fix. It's that the Broncos, after a bad play, are discouraged on the snaps that follow. They can't forget. Few of the Broncos players know what it's like to win in the NFL, at least as a member of this club. It doesn't take much to slide and to blame others. The other day, he told the players that no referee has ever picked up a flag because someone yelled at them. He was speaking to himself as much as the team. 
hoping it sinks in for both. Orlando, this seems to me like the biggest obstacle for Sean Payton. Not implementing his system, not getting guys to buy into what the offense and the defense is, and not getting them to work on their routine. But it it's to shake this mentality and to, to stop moping around and to believe themselves as winners when they haven't experienced it with one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the hardest part of the game. Well, I get uh, somebody here in the state of Colorado has figured it out right up the street in Boulder. You heard Coach Prime. You heard what he said. Some I ain't hard those, to find. Some of those guys in that locker room are just starting to believe. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they believe now, right? So I I think that no matter what, with, with anything, you you grow, right? You you find a way to to build something. It just doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to have guys go out there and just have unbelievable confidence, unwavering faith. It just doesn't happen by snapping your fingers. You got to go prove it. How do you do that, Sean Payton? Go win the game. Go win the chess match against Josh McDaniels this week. That's a, uh, That starts it going in the right direction. I just go back to 2011, Nate, when we started off with Kyle Orton and them Tim Tebow. Now it's Tebow mania time. Heck, do you think that we were going down there to that Miami trip wondering what, what they, they're saying that we're going to go win this football game? No, we're going down to Miami and talking about, man, hopefully this goes all right. Because Tebow, we knew what he was. We also knew that he couldn't really complete and run the offense that we were running. So as an offensive staff, it's like, man, okay, hopefully the defense bails us out. But what happens? You're in the game, and you find a way to pull it through, and then you're like, oh, my goodness gracious, we just won that game in overtime. And that starts building a little bit of confidence, and then the rest happens, right, where Tebow wins. I don't know how many in a row that was. And the defense just continues to ball and take care of business. And then you're wondering, how the hell did we win this game after winning games? Right, but it's built in confidence, and it's allowing us to forget plays now. Oh, Tebow, he he missed that one. Who cares? There was games where the KC game that year, Tebow was two for eight, and we won that football game. So you can start two for eight. You could start building that confidence. Wow. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, like, and you do it collectively. You do it as, as a whole. So I, I get it. Sean Payton's mad and he's frustrated and he's wondering why guys can't, you know, reset after a play. But I think the coaches got to help that help usher that along as well. You look at the Broncos last year, and they lost a lot of close games, and those are deflating, man. And they make you think, like, what what do we have to do to get this thing back? Something keeps going wrong every time we go out there. We can't find a way to win. You got Russell Wilson, who was the fastest quarterback ever to 100 wins. Mm. That's supposed to be the salve. That's supposed to be the the answer. For winning close games and winning games late. The guy who has that muscle memory of being a winner. That's why he was brought here, to be that winner. And so I think probably the sense of defeat that these guys feel now is a product of, look, we, we got this guy who's supposed to get us over the hump, and even he can't get us to win these close games. Well, Russ is going to help it because Russ has showed us last year how optimistic he is. And, you know, we're going to turn this thing around, and I promise you it's going to be special when we do it. You know he's going to have that confidence. In the huddle. He's going to have that confidence believe on it, the believe side. It, believe it, believe yeah, it. Yeah, he's going to have that on the sideline, even after an interception or a big fumble. He's going to come back, let's go offense, we got this. But, but he was doing that last year. Yeah, and it's Pass! Easy. Yeah. Oh, come on, guys, go pass! 
But it's easy to come into that believe mindset. Believe in it, believe in it. Right? Of here we go again. I've been a part of football teams like that. But all you got winning becomes contagious. Right. And if you're able to go out there and pull out a game, you you win one, it's like, okay. A lot of people are going to start believing. A lot of people are going to start having. And in the course of a game, there are highs and lows, right? And all it takes is just one big win. One win. It doesn't even have to be a big win. The guys see the course of a game, the highs and lows. And now it's easier the following week to have that short-term memory. When you do mess up, well, we won last week, and guess what? Russ threw two interceptions, and Javante fumbled the ball one time, and we found a way to beat the Raiders. So if something happens, a negative play happens, now when you're playing the following week against the Commanders, you're going to be able to reset and forget easier. But you you got to find a way to win, or it will be that here-we-go-again mentality, unfortunately. It's a great challenge for Sean Payton to, to change the mental kind of makeup of a team that it has been defeated, has been beat down. Whatever we do, whatever we work on, whatever message we're given, however hard we work in practice, however much we study this game plan, it's not translating onto the field. We're optimistic at the beginning of the season. We're sold a new bill of gold goods by a new head coach. We buy in, and it doesn't result in wins. That has to defeat people and make them start moping around. And you're right, the only the only remedy is to actually win. It's not to call guys out in meeting and say, hey, man, improve your body language here. And, hey, man, don't dwell on this. you got to just go out and do it. If I'm Sean Payton, I'm also looking at the last two games that this team played. And although there hasn't been complete 100% turnover of this roster, I do believe that it's in certain guys to be able to have that short-term memory loss and be able to reset and go in a different direction just on seeing what they did last year under Jerbear. Well, it is football time, guys. Thursday football kickoff. Today, join Zach and Noshawn Moreno as they kick off the season at Cochino Taco in Edgewater. Mm. Everyone loves tacos. Have you seen the Dragons Love Tacos children's book? No, I have not. It's kind of popular. And now yeah. they have a Dragons Love Tacos too. Nice. So there's a sequel. Um, it's never turns as out good as the first one, though. Everyone loves tacos is the point. Even dragons. But they don't like spicy tacos. Because mm. then they breathe fire. Yeah. Don't let the dragons get the spicy tacos. But for everybody. Yeah, everyone around. <laughs> for the dragons, but for the humans... We love tacos, especially at Cochino Taco in Edgewater with Zach and Noshan today, 11 to 2. Check them out. All right, so Broncos Raiders, what should the Broncos offensive game plan be? Who's going to be the lead back? Who's going to be the lead receiver? And how are these Broncos going to handle Mad Max? That's next. Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Two ways around it. The Broncos own a 53-72 and 72 all-time record against the Raiders, including regular season play. You know, the in-regular season play, including a 28-32-2 mark at home. The Raiders even beat up on the Broncos here at home. Um, 
Huge streak in the 1960s and early 70s, accounted for, what, like 19 straight victories for the Raiders. And, of course, the last six straight games against the Raiders, the Broncos have lost eight of the last nine. They're trying to get off the schneid, Orlando, and they have a chance to do it with a brand-new head coach in Sean Payton. If you're Sean Payton, what is the message you're delivering to this team in advance of this game? Uh Is it like any other game? Uh, Wow, is it like any other game? I I, I think, you know, it's not like any other game because it's the first opportunity that the starters are on tape. So I am making a little bit of a big deal about that. This is the first opportunity that everybody gets to see the 2023 Denver Broncos. New head coach, new regime. What have we changed? All the work that we put in the offseason. This is our first opportunity to go out there and show that it wasn't all for not. So I, I think that, you know, it's not like any other game. But the message that you're delivering is a lot of the same. First opportunity. You know, new Broncos, forget last year, forget what's happened last year. Heck, forget what's happened in the preseason. Now now these wins and losses count. So, in the offseason, the Broncos made some moves, and it looked like they're trying to bolster the running game, right? They got a couple offensive linemen, big dudes, road grading, run blocker type of guys. They picked up Samaje Pirine, um, Jaleel McLaughlin has emerged. And really, the idea was that to get Russell Wilson and this offense back clicking again, you got to recommit yourself to the run and the keeper game, play action passes, and be discerning about when you throw the football. Um, but considering this Raiders defense, which is, let's just face it, they're bad. They're very bad defense last year, near the very, very bottom of the league in almost every statistical category. But their best part of their defense was run defense. They were only 19th in the league in run net rushing yards per game. Everything else, they were like 29th, 30th, 31st. Net passing yards per game, defensively 29th. They gave up 242.9 yards per game. Would that factor in at all to the way you call this game, or are you just trying to do what you're trying to do? I think it factors in the way you call the whole entire season if you're Sean Payton. Because Russell Wilson's at his best when there is a running, running game. Any quarterback is at his best. Hey, you could put Peyton Manning out there. Of course, he's surgical with it and understands what the defense is doing before the defense does it. Then, yeah, he could go out there and have success throwing the ball 50-plus times. But I would probably pound on the table that if you could have the threat of running the ball and be efficient in the run game, it just makes it a little bit easier for him to be able to pick apart that defense. So I think you look at where Russell Wilson has been the most comfortable back in the Seattle days and how he's had the most amount of success. And that's always been coupled with a strong running game. So that's how you call every game. You're going to look to do that. You know what I just realized, Nate? All the running backs that we had here last year as the Denver Broncos, only one survived the blender. Everybody else is gone. It's just one, Javante Williams. He was the one that got hurt, what, week three or week four last year. Latavius, yeah, Latavius Murray led this league in, in rushing last year. Wasn't even on the team at the beginning of the year. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about those running backs because you got Javante Williams coming off an ACL, ha- has looked good, um, was able to withstand the rigors of training camp with no setbacks. And every, anytime Sean Payton's asked about Javante Williams, he said Javante's he's good. He's got an A. He's, he's got an A so far in his recovery. But then you got Samaje Pirine, who left Cincinnati because he wants to be a lead back. Let's just be clear about it. That's what I believe, and he, taught, really? and, he and he sort of alluded to that. You know that he wants that chance. 
oh and that he behind Joe Mixon, he's never going to get that chance. Mm-hmm. And so he came here believing that he deserved that chance. Well, dang, he should have should have waited that thing out a little bit to see what happened with Joe Mixon because, you know, but Cincinnati was getting ready to show him the door. He had to take a massive pay cut to stay there. Yeah, yeah. but he's still there. Yeah, he's still there. Um, but then you got Jaleel McLaughlin, who's emerged as a as a weapon that you want to get the ball to, right? Yeah. So how do you break up these carries, these touches for these three running backs? I think the thought process changes for Shamaje P. Ryan in his situation here versus when he was in Cincinnati. No matter what he did in a game in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon, you're you're healthy. You're getting the nod the following week. Here, I think that that could be different. I think that Javante's and Sean Payton is is uh is looks at Javante and, and there are appealing factors. But Javante, you got to go take care of business. Like week one, how that fumble on the goal line? Yeah, you're probably out. You're mm. you're, you're probably done for the rest of the day. And now Shamaji goes in. Now, with Sean Payton being the head coach, and Samaje has a, an efficient game, holds on to the football, takes care of business, he might get the nod the next week. And I think that's where we're going to see the difference is this year. Even though Sean Payton would like Javante to be the guy, I think if Javante doesn't take care of his house, and Samaje comes and shows that, hey, I am the better option, I could do everything that this guy could do, the following week, that's the person that gets the nod, and that's the person that's the starter, which benefits a guy like Samaje P. Ryan if, in fact, he, that's why he left, because he wants an opportunity to be the guy. Yeah, Samaje P. Ryan, a sneaky, like, good fantasy football option, mm. potentially. Talk to me now. Well, you just don't know what's going to happen with Javante. Okay. Right, and if Javante ain't good to go, then Samaje's going to get the lion's share of the carries. I mean, you're not probably putting Jaleel McLaughlin in there for... You know, 30 plays in a game, 30, 35 plays, right? Yeah, yeah. You're not really. I mean, you hope that at some point he could get there, but you're not banking on that going into, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, Samaji P. Ryan is going into his eighth season as an NFL running back. No, yeah, eight seasons? Yeah. No, sit. Seventh, seventh. But he played for two teams in one season. Um, and his most productive year was his rookie year. In 2017, he had 175 attempts for 603 yards with the Washington Redskins at the time. And ever since then, the most carries he's had in a year was last year with 95, splitting duties with Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon had a couple injuries last year, and that's why he had those carries. But he wants to have a more prominent role in an offense. And so I think he's going to have that chance at least early in the season when they're figuring out what Javante's got. But you paid him like he's a guy. Yeah. Right? Especially during a time where not a lot of running backs are getting paid. And he's a, he's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. He had 38 catches last year in limited opportunities, 287 yards, four touchdowns through the air. So this is a this is a weapon and clearly a smart player who can stand back there, dial, you know, understand the blitzes and pick up uh, some blitzing men. Um, all right, before we get out of here, oh, you are not going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. So you have to give your prediction. Mm. Raiders Broncos Sunday. Who wins? What's the score? Oh, yeah, I got you're this. an analyst now, so you know these sorts of things. Yes, sir. I got this thing as as an absolute bloodbath. I think it's going to be a dogfight. I think. Just because Sean Payton plays down the rivalry, I think these players are not going to play down the rivalry. Broncos knows what's at stake. They've dropped the last six in a row to mm-hmm. the Raiders. And I think this new team is going to go out there and, and try to show the whole entire NFL that we're no longer coming, that we are here. So mm-hmm. I got the Broncos winning this one, Nate, 31-20. to 20. 
Love it. 11-point win for your Denver Broncos to start off 1-0 and send the Raiders home to mama. Mm. And Joshy boy crying like he should be. We don't want good things for Josh. We want good things for our Denver Broncos. Yes, sir. All right. Um, King Supers, fan pick em time, guys. If you want to try to beat the fan hosts, if you think you know more about football than we do, Go ahead, take your best shot. The weekly winner gets $250 to King Supers and the grand prize winner receives groceries for a year. Register now at denversports.com slash picks. Orlando, have a great trip. Enjoy your call. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Yep. Florida State and, and Mississippi, you said? Uh, Southern Miss. Southern Miss, man. That's a that's a lot of fun. And uh, go do your best. And I'm going to work on my lawn. And uh, that's it for us on the Players Club. Can't wait for the update about that lawn after this weekend, dog. Got a lot of advice here. Yes, if I sir. do it all, it's going to be a lot, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> Stick around. Stokely and Zach, those boys are next. Brandon Stokely and some other guy. The Broncos open their season with the Raiders in three days. Has Sean Payton fixed Russell Wilson? Can PS2 get revenge on Devontae Adams? Will Denver snap their six-game skin against their rival? We'll get the answers in just three days. <laughs> Where Broncos country goes to talk Broncos. DenverSports.com and 104.3. The fan. Hold up. You're using Swiffer Power Mop? (laughs) What would mom say? Oh, she'd be like, a mop and bucket is the only way to deep clean your floors. And I'd be like, mom, this is the new Swiffer Power Mop. The all-in-one that gets you a mop and bucket clean in half the time. She'd never believe you. I'd say, look, the solution's built right in, so no heavy bucket. And the pad has hundreds of scrubbing strips to get into grout lines. That's why you're the smart one. Really? What? Mom said it. The new Swiffer Power Mop. Don't mop harder. Mop smart. Does your knee pain keep getting worse? How about that pain in your shoulder or hip or back? Don't let them tell you steroids and surgery are your only option. Take my advice now and call QC Kinetics. Hey, it's Mike Evans. QC Kinetics can make that pain go away with all natural advanced regenerative medicine. They're helping people here every day with these amazing natural treatments that restore and repair damaged joint tissue. It's like turning back the clock. Regenerative medicine uses concentrated healing agents from your own body to stimulate that damaged tissue in your joints so they can work like they are supposed to and there's zero downtime. QC Kinetics is the nation's leader in this exciting medical breakthrough. Patients here are getting real lasting relief and are saying no to surgery and drugs. If you have pain due to injury or arthritis, this is a remarkable option that you need to check out and the consultation is free. Get you started with that call. QC Kinetics, 303-900-8986, 303-900-8986. One more time, 303 Nine hundred eighty-nine eighty-six. That's QC Kinetics.